Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you hear this message from Pastor Josh Thompson. Good to see you this morning. <laughs> yeah. It's good to see you. I'm clapping for you. I'm clapping for you. It's good. Oh, you don't need to do that. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. It's so good to see you. I appreciate that. I have missed your faces. I, uh, I mean, six weeks is uh, quite a while. And uh, I, I left in, a, in this, a very cold snow time, and apparently I'm coming back in one, too. I don't know what that means, if there's any prophetic meaning to it, but I, I do believe spring is almost here. But uh, I'd, at different moments over the last six weeks, I'd, I was thinking, man, I haven't seen this person, or I haven't seen this person. I'd be like... I wonder if they left hope. And then I was like, no, Josh, you left hope. <laughs> and uh, I, for real, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the one that left. So, man, it is so good to be back. I had an amazing time uh, just uh, with the Lord over these last weeks and with my family. And uh, I was able to just visit um, quite a few churches in the area. How many know that God is doing good things other places? He really is, and uh, I just decided before I, I went that I was, as I would visit churches, that I was going to refuse any kind of uh, criticalness. I was just going to refuse any kind of critical stuff, and I was not going to go and be that like consumer kind of person and, and sort of sit there with my scorecard and judge services, because we have had enough of that in this town. But I was going to go and I was going to actually assume the best that the places that I went to were actually doing what God called them to do. And even when it looked very different from what God's called hope to do. And I have to tell you, I have great hope of what God is doing in Springfield. You know, we always share that scripture that the body grows by that which every joint supplies. And, and uh, I, I usually think about it in context to like our church or the one local church. But I have to tell you that as I was visiting places, I saw the body growing by that which every joint supplies. And the joints look a little different. And it's purposeful and it's intentional that there is a strategic plan of the Father for our city. And... They're all a part of it, and we get to be a part of it as well. But I have to say this, that uh, there's no place like hope. I know it's like there's no place like home. There's no place like hope. It's, it's, it's just the truth. I, 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 just, I found myself just longing for you, missing you. And what God is doing in this place, the people of hope, and what, what God has called this place to do is just remarkable, and it's only going to get better. Amen? Amen. Today, uh, I want to jump into what I feel like the Lord has given me to share, and um, uh, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy. I've never preached out of this before, uh, this passage, and uh, I'm really pumped about it. He's been speaking to me about it. In the book of Deuteronomy, uh, just, just a little backdrop, Moses is retelling the story of the three previous books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And in Deuteronomy, he is remembering, he's remembering the faithfulness of God. He's remembering the kindness of God to his people, and he's also remembering the cost of disobedience and unbelief. 
And for those of you who might be new today, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to the Bible, um, this story that we're about to get into is a story of the children of Israel. That's what the Bible calls them. And it's a story of how God dramatically delivers and saves them and sets them free from a terrible life, terrible bondage, terrible slavery and oppression in Egypt, right? Those, it's familiar to most of you. And it's, it's interesting because he doesn't just deliver them from something. He doesn't just deliver them from a terrible life. He actually delivers them to something. And that something is what the Bible calls the promised land. It delivers them to something that's called the good land. I love that. The title of the message today is The Good Land. Can you say that with me? The Good Land. And what was supposed to be only an 11-day journey actually turned into 40 years. 40 years of wandering, 40 years of difficulty, 40 years um, from that place of deliverance to the good land that was waiting for them. And this book contains the, the many stories of that journey. And uh, we're going to jump into it in Deuteronomy chapter 1 today. And uh, right here is where Moses, he's recounting and he's speaking to all of Israel. And he's, he's retelling their story. Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're going to jump in verse 6 here. It says, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, He says, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all of their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negev and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Verse 8, see, I have set the land before you. Go in, take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. To give them and to their offspring after them. We're going to just jump down to verse 19. It says this. It says, Then we set out from Horeb, and we went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country, the Amorites, and the Lord our God commanded us. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you, and do not fear or be dismayed. Can we say that line out loud together? Do not fear or be dismayed. Turn to somebody next to you and say, do not fear, I know it's awkward, or be dismayed. Yeah. Verse 26. He says, he says, as he's retelling the story, he says, you would not, yet you would not go up. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you murmured in your tents and said this, because the Lord hates us, he's brought us out, to the land, brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Now, that is an interesting little line there, because, you know, these people had been delivered from so much, Right? I mean, they had this dramatic moment where the Red Sea parts, they walk through. I mean, this, just they had seen the Lord's provision over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. How many have seen the Lord's provision over and over again? Yeah, we have. And they've seen it and they'd seen it. And all of a sudden at this moment, fear strikes and they're freaked out. Have you ever been freaked out? 
Have you ever been afraid? As I, as I, was, I, was, I was thinking about this story, how fear can make you say and think and do crazy things. It just absolutely can. Fear can make you lose your mind. Fear can make you forget who God is. Fear can make you forget who you are. And fear can make us literally stop in our tracks and be plain ridiculous at times. Yeah, I was remembering this story as I was reading this. I don't know. I feel like the Lord brought this story about my own life, brought, brought it back to me. I was remembering when I was a, a, young, a young boy and uh, just, a f- you know, years and years ago, uh, the Lord rescued and delivered my mom and I. Um, from, from so much. He, he, he just brought us out of this just awful life that I was born into. And as a young kid, he just rescued us. He delivered us. And, and he brought me, it was just my mom and I, I didn't know my biological father. I, and uh, he, he brought me a godly father who took my mom and I out of a mess and the Lord used him to deliver us. How many know that the Lord uses people to deliver you? at different times in our lives. It was so amazing. And so my dad comes along and he's just this most amazing man. I, I hadn't had a father. And at about nine years old, they got married and, and uh, he just started being this, what a father should be, a godly man to me. And it was just so great. And I remember we, we moved early on and uh, we moved to Wisconsin, which is amazing. And uh, we, we lived, they got about two feet of snow. So, you know, don't feel bad. Uh, moved to Wisconsin, and we lived on this lake, and uh, we had a boat. My dad got us a boat, and uh, we'd keep the boat down on the dock, but it wasn't like a covered dock. It just was connected there at the dock, and so rain would come, and when a storm would come, the boat would actually get, like, rain in it, right? Maybe sometimes it'd be, like, that much rain, that much rain, and it would fill up, and uh, we didn't have, like, the technology back then. I think they have on boats where you just kind of push the, the button, right, Jim? You have that, and it drains out the water, right, of this boat. This was, like, you know, years ago, way before technology, and uh, so I, I, I'm, like, this 10-year-old kid, and my dad, he like, he says, hey, Josh, we got to go do something. I'm going to show you how to do something really cool. And I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. Let's go. So we walk down the hill to the lake and he's like, so we're going to get in the boat. We got to drain this water out. And so I, we're going to go out into the water. I'm going to open this boat up and we're going to go really fast. It's going to create a wake behind the boat where the engine is. And it's going to clear the water out from the back of it. And you're going to pull the plug. I'm going to what? He's like, you're going to pull the plug. And I'm like, I, I ain't pulling no plug. I mean, I, I was in my mind. I thought that I, he was, and I was too respectful to say that to my dad. And uh, anyways, and I said, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't. And you guys, fear gripped me. Now this plug was like this big. So we're talking about this big. He's like, no, no, it's going to be okay. You guys, I started freaking out. I'm like, I can't do, I started crying, a 10-year-old boy. I can't do this. All of a sudden, fear gripped my heart. Like, we're going to die out there if I do this. And I literally was like, I thought you were an awesome father. You're bringing me out to the middle of the lake to kill me. (laughs) Like, what? 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 Like, no way. Mom, help. He's in my dad. I remember his face. There's just such peace on it. Just a smile. He wasn't like, yes, you are. Do it, do it. He just was smiling. He's like, Josh, it's going to be okay. I'm like, no, 
It's not going to be okay. I mean, I was shaking. I can, I still feel it. Literally. I think I need a sozo over it still, but I, I remember the trauma of that moment. I remember that like, oh my gosh, I was started questioning who this guy was. Now looking back, it's ridiculous, right? Because I mean, even if that little hole somehow started gushing water in, I mean, we would have just jumped out of the boat and swam to shore, right? We wouldn't have died, but it felt like we were going to die. And I just, I don't know, I feel like that story reminded me, um, it's not nearly as intense, but it reminded me of what the children of Israel might have felt. That, that fear gripped my heart and paralyzed me and caused me to think crazy, crazy stuff. So they're all freaking out, right? Lord, you brought us out of the land of Egypt, and now you brought us out here to die. In verse 28, they say, where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great, fortified up to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of the Anakim there, which are the giants in the land. And we know from the book of Numbers chapter 13, which gives actually a more detailed description of what's going on here, that those 12 guys that Moses had sent out, they were like spies. And they, they went up and they, after 40 days of spying out the land, they all came back, all 12 of them, and they said, it's an amazing land. It's an amazing place that God's calling us to. It's amazing. It's amazing land. But here's the thing. The people who dwell in that land are strong. They're like big. They've got big muscles like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I mean, they are big, strong, buff people. And they're going to devour us. They're actually huge. 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 Okay, that wasn't funny. I tried to be Donald Trump and it didn't work. (laughs) See, here's the thing. People say, be funny. And then when I try and be funny, it's totally not funny. Funny stuff just happens, so I'm not going to do that again. Okay. I, l- I might be slow, but I'm not dumb. Okay. Here we go. They, they, they're freaking out. They're huge, right? So big that we actually look like grasshoppers. You've heard the story many times. We look like little bitty grasshoppers compared to them. And all the, the spies are freaking out saying, yes, it's, it's an amazing land. Yes, we know that God said it's ours, but we can't take it. We can't take it. It's just too dangerous. It's impossible. It's like they're saying, no way, Jose. No way, Mose. We're not going. Okay, I tried it again. I'm sorry. I'm giving you plenty of reason not to vote for me on Wednesday. Just thought we'd get it out there, Pastor Gary. I don't want any surprises for him later. Oh, I'm ruining what I'm trying to accomplish here by this. Um, but, uh, yeah, Numbers 13.30, as they're saying all of this, as they're freaking out, as they're saying it's impossible, we know God has said this is the place, but we can't do it, we can't go, because of what we see. It says, in verse 30 of Numbers, it says, but Caleb, one of the spies, he and Joshua were one of, both the spies, he says, but Caleb quieted the people. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, and he says this, he says, let's go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. I mean, right there in the middle of all the cynics that never will carry courage, 
Right there in the midst of the discouragement and the fear and the paralyzing paralysis of fear, these two guys rise up and Caleb says, hey, let's go up at once. We're well able to overcome it. I love that. It's like hope bursts in. It breaks in. How many know sometimes that we have to actually quiet the people around us? Sometimes we actually, we have, most of the time, we just have to quiet ourselves. Have you ever had a word from the Lord to do something? Have you ever had a dream from the Lord, a promise from the Lord? Have you actually ever taken the word of the Lord, taken him at his word for something, and there were a million reasons why you couldn't? There were a million reasons why you shouldn't? Except that you had a word from the Lord. That is what's happening here. Maybe you shared that, that word or what God had spoken to your heart or something that seemed impossible. Maybe you shared it with a friend. Maybe you shared it with a brother. Or you shared it with a sister about what the Lord said to you. And they came back with words that made your heart melt. Have you ever had your heart melt? Maybe you're facing an impossible situation today that's making your heart melt with fear. I know many of you are. Or maybe the voice of the enemy has been speaking like those spies and speaking a bad report, maybe speaking a negative outlook on where you're going, hopeless report that's contrary to the word of the Lord. Things like the opposition's going to be too great. Have you ever heard that one? You can't do this. Oh, you're not good enough for that. Maybe you've heard those words. Maybe you've heard that marriage is hopeless. You need another, a different wife. You need a different husband. Trade them in. Everyone's really still right now. <laughs> Those kind of lies like, you're, you're, you're not coming back from that mess. You caused it. And maybe you did cause the mess. But then the lies and the hopelessness come in and say, you're not coming back from that. You can't get through cruel things. The enemy's cruel, isn't he? Yeah. He can be so cruel. Cruel things like, you don't have what it takes. Who are you? You're going to get devoured. You're going to get eaten up. You don't have anything to offer. Or maybe one of those horrible ones like your family's going to go down or that relationship is never going to be restored or that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter, they're not coming back. They're going the opposite of what your prayers are going. Some of you are getting depressed just by me telling what the enemy says, but we're just bringing it out (laughs) into the open. We got to bring some of this stuff out in the open. The Israelites, those spies were being moved by what they saw and what they heard. And let me tell you, what they saw and what they heard was real. In the natural, it was true. It was real. That was all going on. And what they saw and what they heard was real. But they were not being moved by the word of the Lord. They were not being moved by the word of the Lord. I want to tell you and encourage you today, in the inner circle of your life, you've got to have a Caleb or two. Or 10, you got to have a Caleb that in the midst of those moments of your life where you are discouraged and all you can see is the giants and all you can see is what isn't, you got to have that friend or two that says, hey, wait a minute, don't be afraid. you got to go up right now. You're well able to overcome this. You're well able to overcome this. If the Lord spoke it to you, you will overcome If the Lord spoke it, you will overcome it. I want to declare that to you today. If the Lord spoke it, you will overcome it. 
And that isn't just hype. I'm passionate today. I'm fiery today. And I decided I was going to be fiery whether you were silent or not today. Because this is something to be fired up about, guys. The word of the Lord changes everything. Changes everything. Verse 29. Moses says, he says, I said to you, do not be in dread of them or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. He's reminding them, right? Verse 31. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. All the way that you went until you came to this place. Man, that's a word from the Lord. When you're aligned with the word of the Lord, he goes before you and fights for you. When you're aligned with the word of the Lord over your life, the written word, the prophetic word over your life, and you're coming into agreement with the word of the Lord, he's actually going before you and fighting for you. He's actually going before you and fighting for you. And then we have to remember what he's done. How many have seen the Lord move in your life? I want you to lift your hand and just keep it up. Now look around. Eh, Look at all these hands in this place. We have to remember. You can put them down. You have to remember what he's done. You have to remember what he said. I heard, I didn't hear it, but I heard Charity talked about that a few weeks ago on a Wednesday. We have to remember what he said and we have to keep that vision in front of us or we perish. We literally will perish. We overcome by the blood and the word of our testimony. You have to be able to see this reality. Here's the thing. In the middle of the giants, in the middle of the discouragement, you have to see the reality that he has carried me all the way to this place. If you just say it to you today, that God has carried you, even when you didn't know he was carrying you, all the way through all of the things to this place today. Maybe you're here and you don't even know the Lord. I want to tell you, God has carried you all the way to this place. His hand has been upon you because he has a plan for you and a purpose for you and good things for you. He has carried you to this place. Thank you, Beulah. Verse 32. So he shared all this. I love her. He shared all this stuff in verse 32. He says, yet Moses saying to them, yet in spite of the word, you did not believe the Lord, your God, who went before you in the way to seek out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night, in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Moses is saying, in other words, you had a word. You had science and wonders unlike anything. You had fire. You had clouds showing you the way. You had, you had literally seas part before you. You have a history in God, but you're forgetting your history in God. Church, we get into trouble when we forget our history in God. We get into trouble because we forget it. We have a history in God, but you did not believe You did not trust. In verse 34, it's so sad. It says, And the Lord heard your words and was angered. The Lord heard your words and was angered. Church, I just want to just tell you today, the Lord hears our words. 
The Lord hears our words. I want to tell you this. You can be honest with God. I love how Pastor Gary always says that he's got thick skin. Isn't that what you say? He's got something like that. He can take it. He can handle it, right? God's got thick skin. I'm not talking about not being real with God about what's going on. It's okay to cry out in desperation to God, right? There are moments we have to cry out and say, God, what is going on? I don't know what's going on. I can't figure this out. But I want to tell you this. There's a big difference between being honest with God and murmuring. There's a big difference between them. There's a big difference of a moment or a day or or a week of like, I'm wrestling through some stuff with God and you're fighting through for his heart to understand. There's a big difference between that and murmuring and grumbling. We have to pay attention to this. So the Lord heard their words, he was angered. And because the Lord was angry, he swore, verse 35, he says this, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers. That's, that's a really sad verse. Verse 36, except Caleb, he shall see it. And to him and to his children, I will give the land on which he has trodden because he has, here it is, wholly followed the Lord. As I was reading this, you guys, I was sitting at my dining room table in my kitchen a couple weeks ago, and the Lord just started speaking to me, and I read this, and it was, it was exciting up until this moment. I, all of a sudden, I read this, except Caleb, he shall see it. To him, to his children, I'll give the land, because he has wholly followed the Lord. And I was sitting there, and literally, I don't cry very often, but tears started coming down my face, and I was like, God, I want to be someone that wholly follows you. I want to be a man that wholly follows you. And I want to be a part of raising up a generation of people that wholly follow the Lord. That wholly follow him. That say, you are the priority of my life. Like you really are number one and everything else comes in underneath that. I want to wholly follow you in total radical obedience. How many people in this room desire that? I just want you to just lift your hands. Let's just pray into that. Come on, lift your voices. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that there would be such a desire to radically follow the Lord, to radically follow the Lord, wholly follow the Lord. Come on, just lift your voices all over this room. Come on, let's just cry that out. I pray for a fresh anointing, a fresh vision to wholly follow the Lord, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it seems like, no matter how big the enemies are, that we would have a heart that says, I will wholly follow the Lord. Holy follow the Lord. Holy follow the Lord. I pray fire in our hearts. I pray vision in our hearts because if you are number one, there isn't anything else that matters. Everything falls into place. God, we want to wholly follow you. Holy follow you. Holy follow you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Verse 37 goes on. It says, even with me, Moses says, the Lord was angry on your account. And he said, you also shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him. For he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Verse 39, and as for your little ones 
who you said would become a prey, and your children, who today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. That is so good. These 39 verses, they really deserve months of unpacking. Um, It looks like I might have some time in the future to do that. (laughs) And I look forward to doing that. But, uh, you know, Joshua ultimately led them into the promised land. And he was a foreshadow of what Jesus would ultimately do for the whole world. Joshua, it actually, it means God is salvation. Actually is another, another form of the word Jesus. You can start calling me Jesus. <laughs> please don't. I'm sorry. Please don't. I, if I offended you, please don't be. I'm sorry. I, my personality, I like to have fun and do not call me Jesus. <clears throat> Only my wife is to call me Lord. Okay. <laughs> Now, if you're new and you don't know me very well, please know, like, if you were in my house just for one day, you would know my wife does not call me Lord. (laughs) No, I mean, she's awesome to me. Oh my gosh. One of Pastor Gary's roles as founding pastor is going to be to keep that big hook down there that just pulls me off the stage when I need to be pulled off. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. My wife is honestly the best. Now it would be really weird if I went into how awesome she was. I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> but, but this is, seriously, though, this is, uh, this is what I hear the Father saying to us today in all this, that Jesus' blood paid for everything. His blood paid for everything. Everything. We're sons and we're daughters We cannot earn a thing, right? We cannot earn his love. But I want to tell you this. It is our call and it is our privilege to live a life that is living to possess what God has given us, what God has made available. It is our privilege to take the land that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. It is our privilege. It's our choice to respond and to enter into all that's available. I'm here I'm here today hearing him say to me, to you, to us as a church that it is time to move on from where we've been. It's time to move on from where we've been. There's land waiting for us and it's good. And this is unhyped or any of it. It's just the truth. There is good land waiting for us, but we have to go up and we have to take it. And where you're going is way more important than where you've been. And where you're going is actually more important than where you are. Let me just clarify this. I'm so about being present in the moment. I think we lack presentness often. But I'll tell you, if we don't know where we're going and we don't give ourselves to where he's leading, we'll perish because we won't have the vision of where we're going. All we will see are the giants right in front of us. We have to know where we're going. We have to see where we're going. It's way more important, and we can't play it safe. I want to say that again over us. We cannot play it safe. It's not safe to play it safe. I I feel like somebody really needs to hear that today. It is not safe to play it safe. 
It's not safe to stay where you are. It's time to journey on from where you've been. Where you've been is good, but there's better land ahead. It is not okay to stay where you are because the kingdom of God is progressing. It is increasing. It really is a glory to glory. It's an increased in increment. It's time to journey on. I think about Pastor Gary. I think about, he shared his testimony a few weeks ago, I heard, and his story. He didn't play it safe. There's nothing safe about his story. I think about him going to San Jose, and he could have he said, no way, Jose. <laughs> he could have. I'm sure he almost did. I'm sure there were moments of wrestling with God. But you know what? He took the land. He took the land. And guess what? We're living on the land. And it was, it was such a good land. And it's been a great land. But I got to tell you, we can't stay here. We have to move on. And I hear the Lord saying, I've got more land for you. I'm hearing him saying it to all of us. There's good land waiting. There's promises I've given and I've paid for. But you have to go up and take them. When we play it safe, we actually take on a different identity. When you play it safe, you actually take on a different identity. What you're intended to take on There's nothing safe about the gospel. There's nothing safe about following Jesus. There's nothing safe about radical obedience, and yet it's the safest place of all. Isn't that crazy? If you read the gospel, you read the scriptures, there's nothing safe about following Jesus. There's nothing safe about it, and yet it's the safest place of all. Our radical obedience now changes everything for later. And I hear the The voice of the Spirit saying, it's time to take ground now for generations that you won't know. It's time to take ground now for generations you will not ever meet. For children, for for great-grandchildren, for your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. I'm making a way for generations that I will not see. Now that's hard to get your mind around when you're like 18 or in your 20s or you get old in your 40s and it's like, I can see that. I can see the grandchildren down the road. I still have a hard time seeing the great, great, great grandchildren. But guys, we're taking land for people we will not see. We literally are. The call to go and possess the land is a call to make a way for generations that are coming up. The Lord is still looking for those who will wholly follow him, radically obey him, radically believe. Yes, they might be afraid, but they're willing to do it afraid. We're willing to do it afraid, radically taking him at his word. Church, we have got to resist consumer Christianity. We have got to resist it. We've got to make sure that we are free from consumer Christianity. Because the truth is, when you go under the water of baptism and you come up, you are not living for you anymore. It's the truth. I'm not living for me anymore. And sometimes I got to wake up and remind myself of that, right? There's some days that I wake up and I'm kind of living for me. And then I remember the vision. No, I'm not alive for me. I'm alive for the purposes of God. But I'm also alive to possess and take land for generations that I do not know yet. To leave a spiritual inheritance. Man, I'm believing that my children are going to be mightier than I ever have been. I'm believing their children are going to be greater and stronger in the Lord than anyone has ever been. Do you have that kind of a a vision for your family, for what's coming? That's why there's no room for passive mediocrity. 
It's just there isn't. It's why choosing obedience matters. It's why forgiving matters. Like for real, it's why forgiving matters, so that you don't get stuck. Pastor Gary preached on it Wednesday night. When, when we don't forgive, we get stuck. The other person probably goes on, but we get stuck, and then we can't take the land. That's why being faithful in your marriage matters. That's why being faithful in your marriage matters. That's why investing in your children matters. That's why leading your family into the things of God and into the word of God matters. It's why, in, it's why sharing our faith matters. It's why holy following the Lord matters because everything matters. I preached that a while back. Everything matters. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, we do it in the name of the Lord. With every word, with every deed, we're actually taking land. Think about that. With every word, with every deed, we're taking land. We're taking land. Church, the Father loves us deeply. He loves us more deeply than we could ever comprehend. In fact, you can't cause him to love you anymore. You can't lo- cause him to love you any less. I'm not talking today about earning anything. It's been given. But I am talking about living a life that pleases him. Amen. Hear me on this. This is really important. I'm talking about living a life that pleases him. And we are in charge of how pleased he is with us. Can you smile at me? Give me a smile offering. We, we are in charge of how pleased he is with us. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians. He said this. He said, our goal is to please him. He said, our aim is to please him. And then he goes on after that. He says, because we're going to give an account for everything that we have done, whether good or evil. It got serious, didn't it? Here's what I mean by this. God is not responsible for my potential. I am. Somebody said that. I don't know who it was, and I grabbed it a while ago. Can we say that out loud together? God is not responsible for my potential. I am. Can we say that out loud again? God is not responsible for my potential. I am. And all of heaven, all of heaven has been assigned to make sure that I have everything that I need to step into that God-designed destiny. Church, all of heaven is cheering us on to take the land. All of heaven is cheering us on. They're cheering us on right now saying, go on, walk into all of my promises. Go on, take the land. He's cheering us on. Jesus said we, he lived by every word that proceeded from the mouth of his father. Guys, we live by the word of the Lord. Heaven is cheering you on. We can have as much or as little as we want. I want to please the Lord. And I believe you want to please the Lord or you wouldn't be here today. God knew your limitations before he called you to do what he's called you to do. He knew your limitations in your mother's womb. He knew your weakness. He knew your, your, your limitations. God knew my limitations before he called me to step into what I'm about to step into here at Hope. He knew my limitations These last six weeks, I've described them as they've been mostly amazing and a little bit awful. And I won't get into all of that, but they've been all at once. I've had, you know, I I just always, the Lord has always put me where he's put me. 
and I've just walked in that. I've never tried to make anything happen my whole life. And so I've been really confident, not in myself, but confident in the hand of the Lord on my life. Amen. Do you know what I'm talking about with that? And I'll tell you, over these last few weeks, there were a few days where I'm telling you, fear gripped my heart, where unbelief and doubt gripped my heart. There were moments where I thought, what is going on? I almost called Pastor Gary to come over and deliver me from it. And then the Lord said, no, we're going to do this alone. He said, no, we're going to push through this together because you need to push through this. These giants, these, these spies that are bringing all these, these accounts to you about this and that and why you shouldn't or why you couldn't or why you can't, we're going to silence them together. We're going to silence those lies together. Now, there's a time to do it in community and to reach out. This just wasn't that time for me. It was a time where the Lord wanted to just establish some things in me, and he did. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and when they hear the voice of a stranger, they run. And I knew a stranger was speaking, and I ran, but it seemed to follow me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, it kept, get out of here. I mean, people saw me, they think I was like psycho, right? Luckily, no one was home when this was happening. I just... Hopefully there's no video cameras going on in my house, but I mean, I was like, no, I know that's not true. I know what the Lord's called me to do and I'm stepping into it. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's things that are scaring me. Yes, there's some obstacles, but you know what? The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord has called me and that's what I'm aligning my vision to. We have to flee when the voice of the stranger comes because if you don't flee, you'll start getting used to that voice and you'll snuggle up to it and all of a sudden, you'll be full of discouragement, you'll be full of cynical thoughts and all of a sudden, you'll have no courage. And the Lord says, no way, you go possess the land. We're doing it together. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. We're going to do it together, but you're aligning with the word because there is promised land waiting for you, Joshua. Some of you today are experiencing different pieces of this. I don't know what your giants are. I don't know what those difficulties are. I don't know what those obstacles are. Some of you today are just broken. Tyler, you can come on up. Some of you are just broken and beat up and you've been just wiped out and you just need to know this simple truth today that God Like he carried the children of Israel, he carries you like a father carries a son. And he's carried you all the way to this place, literally to this moment, to 10.04 Sunday morning. He has carried you to this moment. And you need to be encouraged that you're still here. I used to tell people when they got wiped out, they got beat up, they got hurt, something happened, and you need to just come to hope and you got to just rest and just receive. And there's, there's truth to that. But I've been thinking recently through a, pe- a few people that have had surgeries and been through some big health crises. I, re- I remember this guy, he had quadruple bypass surgery and, and uh, I went to visit him and was there and he got out and like literally two hours later, the doctors had him up walking the halls of the hospital. Like, shouldn't he be resting? Shouldn't he just be like laying low? No, he had to jump up. Remember, my mom had her knee surgeries done, and I, I mean, just excruciating pain. They had her up like an hour later, walking the halls of that hospital. I thought, what in the world? I think sometimes we need to be more like that. 
sometimes I think we encourage people to sit out and rest and wait so long that the giants just keep speaking to them. And all of a sudden they get in isolation and they, they can't, they can't, all of a sudden it just overwhelms them. And the Lord's saying, no, you got to get up. You got to take some land. You got to take some ground. You got to jump in. And I want to say this over you today. Many of you, you're going through stuff, but I want to tell you today, keep going. That sounds so cliche, doesn't it? But I got to tell you, keep going. It's hard, but it's going to be good. It's hard, but it's going to be good. We think hard and good don't go together, but they do. Have you been married? Have you had children? Have you done anything of significance in your life? If you have, you know hard and good go together. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Some seasons are just hard, but you got to keep going. Keep taking the land. You got to let your faith rise up. There's going to be giants, I assure you. There are going to be giants. There's just, there's no magical like the giants be completely gone. Amen. They're they're just going to be there. They're going to pop up. I I anticipate, I want less and less giants, but they're going to come. But don't be afraid. Don't fear the Lord is fighting for you. And don't forget that the prerequisite to a miracle is a problem. It's just the truth. You can't have a miracle without a, an issue. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you hear, no matter how real it is. Be moved by what the Lord is saying. Be moved by what the voice of your Father has said. And get a hold of the Word. <laughs> Can I say that again? Get a hold of the Word. Get a hold of the word, the written word of God. Get a hold of it. Dive in it. Get those promises. Put them up in your bathroom so you can see them in the morning when you're getting ready. Put them as your screensaver. Get a hold of the written word of the Lord. Get a hold of the prophetic words of the Lord over your life and go over them and remember them. And remember them. Jesus paid for the good land. Through his death and resurrection, it's ours. All his promises are yes in Jesus. And we get to spend our lives accessing those things in Jesus' name.